0: Hello humans of triathlon and welcome to the Hot Podcast, where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon, one human, one story at a time, with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans, through real, authentic, raw and enjoyable conversations with triathletes from all around the globe and from all walks of life. I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin, along with an amazing guest.
1: Hello people, this is Humans of Triathlon. Today we have a story from a fellow human of triathlon who's been to hell and back. This year, 2013, in the United States of America, our guest was going through a breakup. She was working long hours and she was living out of $50 a week. That is, in case you haven't noticed, $7 a day. Again, in the U.S., okay? And that's to pay for everything. Your rent, your food, clothes, transportation, Netflix, all of it. In her own words, I I felt I was disappointing everyone. So, level of self-esteem, I guess, very, very low at this point. Luckily, sports have historically been one of those special skills of our guest tonight. She had done a fair bit of running, skiing, backpacking, soccer, yada, 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 a lot of sports. But then, moving forward to year 2015, somehow, she found triathlon. She signed up for a race and decided to train by herself. Okay? And at this point, she had no wetsuit, not even bike shorts. And the cherry on top, wait for it, she used for her first race an old, massive, heavy touring bike. her mother used to travel with her father in Europe back in the 80s. This bike was heavier than herself. However, in spite of all this, she was determined to become an Ironman, but something terrible happened right before the race, which I'm not going to tell you. Today, our guest has completed seven 70.3 races and three full Ironman races, and on top of that, she's actually a two-time Ironman World Championship Kona qualifier. Her motto, passion, faith, and strength. Peace, people, let's give it up for the founder of Where Your Feet Take You, none other than Kayla Bowker.
2: Hi, Kayla. Welcome. Hey, guys. Great to be here. It's awesome to have you on. We kind of like to start out our episodes by having you really take us back to your childhood and... um how you were involved with sports or not and what it meant to you and then kind of walk us forward from there. Yeah. Um, My childhood is really fun. Actually. Um, I grew up in a family
3: where sports and adventure, adventure was very high on our list of things to do. Um, My parents were, I like to call them adventurers for as long as I can remember them being ones. Um, My parents met in Vail Colorado where they were both my dad had moved was living there as a ski bum my mom was a nurse in the uh clinic being basically just they just skied and worked and adventured um I think Charles briefly mentioned that they spent four years riding their bikes all throughout Europe um before they got married and then they ended up we actually I grew up in Hood River, Oregon, which is they moved there because my dad got addicted to windsurfing. So um, Hood, Hood River is known as the windsurfing capital. That is the place. That yeah. is the place. <laughs> um, if you want to go learn to ride your bike in some wind, let me tell you, go to Hood River. Don't <laughs> spend a lot of time in the wind. Um, that's how we ended up in Hood River. And that's that's where I grew up. Um, It was a great place to grow up, and they continued that adventurous spirit throughout our childhood. Um, So I have a younger sister, and it was just the four of us, and we spent a lot of time adventuring. Um, There's, there's, you guys have probably seen that that shirt that says like, that sounds like a terrible idea, and then there's a pause, and it says what time. That that literally sums up my family. Um, you know, my dad in college. There's a couple of times he'd say, "Hey, let's go climb Mount uh, Adams and ski down." And then it's like, "Okay, so what time do we start? Two a.m. Okay." Wow, um, that's, that's just kind of my family. Um, we call you know part of the we called it. My maiden name is Lloyd, and so we called it the Lloyd family crazy because we did a lot of that. Um, I started backpacking at the age of six. Um, my parents, when we were, I spent four winters down in Baja, California, living on the beach. Um, two years of it, we in a tent and two years were in a camper. We just park the tent or the camper down on the beach and my dad would surf and my mom would give us homeschool lessons and we played on the beach, learned to boogie board and... <laughs> um, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, I would say that adventure runs in the runs in my blood a little bit. So, um, finding ways to push yourself a little bit harder, go a little bit further and see what kind of fun, crazy adventure you can get into is very much something that just totally runs in the family and Ironman and triathlon really just kind of fit into that. I was a athlete growing up and it kind of stuck with me
2: over the years. It sounds like a true multi-sport family.
3: Very, very. We, um, while I did the traditional sports, you know, soccer, running, volleyball, just tried a little bit of everything. We were definitely a little bit non-traditional in the fact that we were more adventurous, Um, you know, windsurfing, kiteboarding. I started skiing at the age of two, and actually ski raced for a regional team up until I was 18. So that was kind of my first love. And while I don't ski as much as I used to, that's definitely where everything kind of started.
4: So at the time, did you prefer the adventurous sports or did you prefer the more organized team sports?
3: I think growing up, I was more in the organized team sports, but I think deep down, I always preferred more of this individualistic adventure type thing um and for me that's kind of what well triathlon is definitely there is a lot of support involved with it but it is very much an an individual adventure that you're on and um I think a part of that's always something that's just been deep in me because of all the craziness that we've done over the years
4: (laughs) yeah and then you go off to college and you deal with some sort of eating disorder what was it that you dealt with at that time
3: So that was in um, college. I was running for so I went to Gonzaga University and I ran uh, cross country and track for them. And I was going through just some I don't even really know totally what caused it. It was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, um, needing to, you know, wanting to fit in, wanting to be the best and just having this feeling that I was never good enough for anybody. And it really just caused all this stress and uh, that I was didn't let's just say I didn't handle it very well. And it just slowly made it so that I stopped eating. And then I became very much focused on my weight and very much focused on that was the one thing that I could control. It was something I could totally control because I didn't feel like I could control anything at the time. And um, I just needed that needed that control over something. Um, and it kind of spiraled as it mentioned into a fairly serious eating disorder where I came home from college my sophomore year and I, I was ninety-nine pounds. Um I'm five six for reference.
1: Ninety pounds. Wow. So you kilot must be like forty forty-five or something.
3: I'm not sure oh, it's very tiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
3: I so uh my I am very, very, very blessed to have family, you know, part of what was so wonderful about all this adventure that we did is it made us a very close and tight knit family. Um, and there's a lot of respect and there's a lot, you know, I'm 29 years old and I still go on trips with my parents because, and those are still some of the best trips that I ever take is because, you know, it's with my family. But they realized that something was wrong and they kind of gave me an ultimatum, basically saying you need to go to therapy or we're going to stick you in the hospital. And I chose therapy. And to this day, it was the best thing I ever did. Um, It helped me start to learn to work through. Um, It's definitely something that never goes away, even when you have gained back your, your confidence and your belief in yourself. It is something that you is it was, it was a struggle every single day to remind myself that I am a, you know, I'm a strong, confident person and that strength and that confidence that's within you is what's going to get you through, not your ability and need to control exactly how much you weigh.
1: How long did it take you to actually recover?
3: I would say not until like 2014. <laughs> Uh, so we're looking at like full on recovery, like where you mentally, or I don't necessarily worry about my weight anymore. It, it was about a seven year process.
1: Okay. Wow.
2: And do you ever struggle with that as far as triathlon? Because some triathletes do get kind of upset. Obs- it can be kind of a, a double side of that same coin about obsessiveness and control. Does that ever pr- crop up in training or triathlon?
3: yes um sometimes it does um and it definitely becomes more of a where I feel like once again I'm having needing to control so much of me and I will start to find myself for me it's more of a stress thing and then I'll I'll get myself really worked up and then that stress becomes to where I'm not maybe not eating again, and then I instantly am losing a bunch of weight, and I start to think, oh, cool, I'm losing this weight because of this, um, I usually have to remind myself, you know, for me now, it's become a really good support system, and the support system is what brings me back out of it, um, and then just reminding myself how far I've come, and that there's so much strength in not controlling things sometimes, and that helps It's just sometimes need a little bit of a reminder. It's definitely something that I will always, it always is there. It's always in the back of my mind and it's more, it is very much a, um, I have had a lot, had to practice and do a lot of work to become more flexible with my own self just in scheduling and not being quite as hard on myself when something goes wrong or it doesn't go the way you want it to, or you know, you fail a workout or your plans change because of work, life, etc., and not letting that, just being able to let that go and say, you know what, it's its one day, it's one time, it's one minute. It's not going to affect the rest of my life
2: from that standpoint. So tell us about your first race.
4: Actually, before that first race, how about you take us back to 2013 when you were in that low point? Um, what was happening then? How did it all start?
3: That so that's a okay so that's a good like lead up into the next question about my first race because my first race came through that I had moved back was living in Spokane at the time um, had just gone through a fairly nasty breakup just near standard nasty breakup <laughs> that we've all probably experienced um you know just very heartbroken in a place where i didn't have any friends i was living in a part in love language but the shittiest apartment in the world <laughs> it smelled it was gross it didn't it was just nasty it was really tiny um and working a bunch you know living off of hardly any money And just not, once again, I was finding myself back in this kind of the same mindset as I was when I, um, had the, my eating disorder, just this feeling like I had no control over anything and I had no idea where I was going. And I was not, I was just, there was just so much anger. I had all this anger and I'm a, I'm a fairly positive person and always have been. And I just was feeling very consumed over this anger of,
4: was it anger yourself or like towards your external environment and what is happening around
3: you a little bit of both okay um not necessarily like mad angry at myself in the same sense that I like hated me but that I was just angry that I couldn't figure out exactly where I was going um and I was just angry at being having let myself get hurt and angry at not <laughs> doing what I thought everybody else thought I should be doing or thinking that I was disappointing people again. And just really feeling a lot, really lost and not Luke lo- just not sure where I was going with anything and not knowing where life was going to take me and just feeling as though everything that I had worked really hard for, was just going down the tube and no matter what I did, I couldn't dig myself out of a hole. And that's what led to my first race. I was on, you know, I had was had been riding my bike to at the time I was taking some classes at the community college. um, And I was riding my bike to and from uh, school and well, and then going just running as much as I could trying to find some way to get this, whatever this feeling was out of me and I decided you know hey I'm gonna do a triathlon why not so I found one that was close by and I signed up for it and I went to the gym and got a gym membership so I could start swimming and I just hopped in the pool and started swimming and I biked whenever I could and I ran as much as I could and and then next thing I knew I it was race day. And um, I took myself to the race on my own, showed up, you know, I just threw my bike in the back of the car, showed up, and everybody else was on their, you know, either their really nice road bikes or their, you know, $5,000 triathlon bikes. And I had this motobicon that my, was older than I was, had crotch rocket gears, steel baskets for your feet, it still had the rack on the back of it where she, they put their like bags to carry all their stuff as they were touring. And touring I, I can guarantee you, it weighed more than me. <laughs> um, I had a helmet that my dog had chewed on, and it was old, like from back from when I was in high school. At the time, I was out of college. I didn't have a real water bottle. I used a blender bottle. Just used my running shoes and some run shorts and some goggles that I had bought from Dick's sporting goods that probably didn't even fit properly. And I, I just didn't care. I was like, I'm going to, I don't really care. This is awesome. I'm here. How cool is that? But I remember, uh, starting, starting the race. I don't really remember the swim at all. Um, but the one thing I definitely remember is being on the bike and, passing all these people and all these people saying, what, what are you, you need to get yourself a real bike. How are you, how are you doing this? And I just didn't even care. And it was just this instant relief of all anger, nothing, just this big, huge, stupid grin plastered across my face and thinking this is the best thing in the world. I can't believe I'm doing this. And I, I, I'm back. This is me. This is Kayla. This is, this is Kayla Lloyd. This is the Kayla Lloyd that everybody believes in and that I know is in there and just fully exists. Um, And it was amazing how that one moment, such a transformation of going from anger and not really sure what I'm doing with my life to having feeling as though I had purpose again, and knowing that okay, I, no matter what is going to happen in the future, at least I have me, and I am—I believe in me again. Um,
4: and it was very liberating at the time. What did you expect your first try to be like? So before you got into the sport, looking from the outside, uh, what did you think of the sport and the people that did it?
3: Honestly, I didn't think anything. I didn't know anybody who did it. I didn't. Okay. I didn't know a single. I didn't have. I didn't know a single person.
4: What about the thought of doing the the triathlon? Like, did you think it would be it hurt? It would be painful? What, What What were you thinking? What were you expecting?
3: Um, I thought it was going to be a challenge, and that's why I wanted to do it. I was in this point where I felt like I needed to push myself outside of my limits and get myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, and growing up, you know, sport was always that one thing that allowed me to do that. And so, um, I figured it was going to hurt. I feel figured it was going to be a challenge and that's what I was looking for. I was out searching for something to make it hurt a little bit and to push myself to that point where when it hurt, I knew that that meant I was going to feel something again. And, um, instead of hurt passion and so it was a it was a different I didn't necessarily feel hurt I mean it was definitely difficult but I just instead of hurt instead of pain instead of suffering it was it was passion and it was strength and it was a amazing ability to believe in yourself
2: again how long was it before you signed up for your second race like
3: a week immediately <laughs> I went and did another one so that first one was in August of 2013 and then I went back I went down to Portland Oregon to and uh did a second one did you get a new for bike? that one I uh, once again to <laughs> did a bike. I, I did I borrowed my mom's road bike and it had clip-in gears or clip-in shoes and I had never used them I learned how to do it the night before the race and um had no clue. I just was like, I can do this. <laughs> and
2: didn't manage to fall over. That's impressive.
3: I didn't. It was really awesome. I was very surprised at myself. Um, but I was like, well, this, at least this is better than her old brand bike. This is now her old road bike. <laughs> um, step up. A little bit of a step up. Um, and I ended up taking, so I took second at my first one and took third in my age group at my second one and qualified for age group uh nationals. Wow. And that kind of was the next like, okay, this is something that I want to keep doing. And um so in 2014 I uh competed at age group nationals and I think I took like 31st. I had a real bike, <laughs> which
2: was <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> um, good investment.
3: it was a good investment. Um and I think my parents actually bought it for me because I couldn't afford one. So they got it for me for Christmas. Um, but we stuck with the Motobucan theme because that's was the best price at the time. Hmm. Um, and then hmm. it's kind of spiral from there.
4: Okay. Wait. So you do your first try and you know, you feel all these amazing things um, that you haven't felt in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the moment's over, the weekend's over. You go back to your crappy apartment and the job the next day or the day after. So was there anything different when you got back to these day-to-day things?
3: I started standing up for myself. Um, I was in this weird, uh, I don't even know if I'd call it a relationship, but I was in this weird um, friend with benefits type relationship. And I finally, you know, I started standing up for myself with him and I dumped his, dumped him because he was toxic. I dumped some friends because they were toxic. I started, um, I asked for a raise at my job and I started job searching for a different job that would allow me to move forward. Um, and then, so really it became more than anything. I just started standing up for myself again, rather than letting everybody walk all over me and just take advantage of me. Um, And then I ended up, it was honestly because of that, being able to stand up for myself, I ended up meeting uh, my now husband um, a couple months later. And if I hadn't had gone through that where I was starting to, you know, believe more in myself and maybe I wasn't still, it wasn't yet moving in the direction I totally wanted to be, but I was headed in that direction and I was standing up for myself, um, I wouldn't have been open to meeting him and meeting him was the best thing that's ever happened to me, so.
4: Right, and physically you would say that nothing else externally changed in your environment after the try, did it? Like
2: no,
3: for- no, nope, I was still in exactly. the nasty apartment, um,
4: still yeah. working for
3: minimum wage.
4: Yeah, I wanted to make that point because, because I believe that's one of the powerful messages of your story because, you know, when you're in tough, when we're in tough spots, most people they'll feel like they're stuck due to the circumstances and usually the first reaction to it is to look outwards and externally and see that see everything that's wrong rather than looking inwards and working to fix that so i think your story makes that point very well that if you want to change something your circumstance it's in your hands to do it and even though it may not feel like it everything you need is already within you it's just about You know, unlocking that.
2: Exactly.
4: Which that first try did for you. Oh,
3: 100%. If I had just focused on trying to externally change things, I don't think I would have ever actually changed them. Um, I would have just become more and more down and frustrated and probably would have never gotten to where I am now. Um, it was it was a hundred percent it was that internal change that allowed me to catapult to where I am now um, if I hadn't been able to make that change it either would have taken a lot longer or it would have never happened
4: yeah I think you do a great job in sharing that message through your posts and blogs and stuff especially though to those three words and concepts you live by which you mentioned um strength passion and faith so yeah I absolutely love that thank you how do you define those keywords
3: so um they yeah it's a good question (laughs) um for me it's it is all in, in an internal thing necessarily so having passion for you and having passion for what you are doing um and then understanding that the strength is within you and not necessarily a physical strength this is not like how much weight you can lift or how fast you can run it is a strength of an inner strength that allows you to push yourself a little bit harder and a little bit further and this inner strength that allows you to believe in yourself Um, and faith in that it's not a religious concept um, you know not necessarily faith from a religious standpoint but literally a faith in you and a faith that you believe in you and a faith that this passion and this strength that is already inside of you is going to lead you to great things um, and so those are three pieces for me that by really embracing them, they've been able to it's how I have grown and it's how that I've been able to do the things that I've done is just this faith in the strength that is inside me and believing in this passion that I have for something and going after it. Um and so it's kind of a they all kind of inner circle and they all kind of wrap together. They're not so. They're more of a. I don't know that it's necessarily three separate words, but more of a concept of, you know, passion, strength, and faith in yourself.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. So after that first triathlon, like you said, you were just go, 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 and you haven't looked back since. And in 2015, you did a couple 70.3s, and then in in November 2016, you raced your first full Ironman at Arizona. And, Correct, yeah, you absolutely crushed it. I mean, you clocked 10 hours, 15 minutes, you came first in your AG, you came 30th woman overall, and you don't qualified for corner. All of that in your first Ironman, yes, and like the journey after that was filled with obstacles. So, what was that like?
3: Yeah, getting myself to the start line of Ironman Arizona was uh interesting. I um I in 2015, I made a decision. I was like, I'm going to be an Ironman in 2016, um, and I signed up for Ironman Coeur d'Alene. Well, I didn't actually sign up at the time, but that's the one I decided I was going to do because it was only it was close to home, and I could sleep in my own bed and everything. Um, but I had been having a ton and ton of pain in my um, left hip, and it had been going on since about April. Um, and I was doing a bunch of marathon training at the time and was just so I ran a couple of marathons on it. And in October of 2015, I did the Portland marathon with the goal to go sub three in the race. And I was totally on track for that, but I was having all of a sudden at like mile six, I was just in this excruciating pain um, and thinking, oh no, you'll be okay. And by mile 10, I, I, I was, I was, there was, I was like in tears, Um, I actually texted my husband, like, I can't do this. I'm not going to make it. Um, and my leg was, it was just on fire. And I ended up walk running the rest of the way in. Um, I ended up making it. I, though I did call, I called my, my dad at mile 22. And I said, you have to come get me. I cannot do this. I can barely walk. I can barely stand on my leg. Um, I have an ice pack on it from an aid station, um, but he couldn't get to me. And so at that point he called back and said, I can't get to you. I can't get to that area. And so I said, okay, I'm going to get there. I'll, I'll get to the finish line. I'm going to get to the finish line. And I started walk jogging my way to the finish line, um, and ended up, uh, crossing the finish line. Um, still under four hours, which not quite sure how I did that. Um, exactly. (laughs) and so at that point it was when I was okay this needs to go I need to go get this checked something's wrong I can't walk I'm in in a lot of pain um so I went got a checked and uh got an MRI and I had a um tear in my labrum as well as some cysts and some junk and just some other mess and I had a doctor and I and so that was devastating I got home from the MRI and called my husband and was just bawling my eyes out Um, because the doctor was like well you're done you're not gonna run again you for sure are not doing an Ironman next year there's no way just and I I was just so devastated and what a blow it was a big blow blow. (laughs) so then I I said you know after I kind of calmed down I said no I'm gonna go get a second opinion (laughs) so I found a doctor who told me that I could run again and I could do an Ironman next year and I used him instead. Good choice. <laughs> so got surgery. <laughs> I figured if, if he's on board with my crazy, then then I'm,
2: I'm I can trust him. He's your doctor. He's your man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: and I, so I had surgery December 22nd of 2015, and I started. Let's, let's see. Was like I think I was cleared to start running in the middle of February. And I raced a half marathon in April and won my, won the overall. And then I did a 70.3 at the end of May and won the overall. And at that point I said, there's no way I'm not going to do an Ironman. And so I signed up for Coeur and was... All you know, everything was going great. I it was amazing how surgery just fixed the pain for me. It got rid of all the pain, and when you get rid of pain, there's amazing things what you can do. But on July 23rd, I was one and a half miles away from my home on one of my last big training days because I was four weeks out of Ironman Coeur d'Alene, and I got hit from behind by a car. The lady was not watching the road at all and hit me from behind, obviously. And I, uh, ended up everyone's worst nightmare. Yes. Um, my, my, so the, so we had some amazing people that were there and watched it and they called my husband and the guy was like, Hey, this is not the call you want to hear, but your wife has been hit by a car. <laughs> it's amazing how it shows you how stressful it is. My husband is a type one diabetic and he went, uh he was really, he had been working out in the yard. And so he was a little bit low at the time. And we have this little monitor that can show you his blood, le- blood glucose levels. And the second he heard that phone call, like within two minutes, his blood sugar skyrocketed um, from stress. Went crazy. Worry. And so it was amazing what kind of shows you how much, what that can do to you. I, you know, in, 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 in real, all reality, I, I'm very, very lucky. I, I ended up, uh, I broke, broke my ankle, um, had some soft, a lot of soft tissue, a lot of soft tissue damage in my, um, shoulder, my neck, my hip, and the same hip that I had had surgery on like seven months ago. And I had the biggest besides even just the ankle, there was a lot of ligament damage in the ankle. And then I had a really nasty wound. That ended up being a really problematic afterwards for a little
2: while, but that was and then just being back in pain again, like you just escaped pain. I just escaped pain.
3: <laughs> I, you know, I had spent, I worked so hard during this rehab process to get me to where I was going to be able to do. I mean, I worked really hard during, after my surgery. Um, and that's what I can kind of attribute to being able to get back to it. You know, I went, I went to physical therapy like four times a week. I was doing the exercises. I was lifting. I was working really hard. Um, and there I was back in it. I, part of me was like, okay, no, I'll be fine in four weeks. I can do the Iron Man. And when the, when I finally was able to get the official x-ray, because I couldn't do it the day of, because there was so much swelling Oh, and they said, no, you have a you have a broken ankle. You're definitely oh, not racing. It's not doing an Ironman. <laughs> Minimum eight weeks before you're uh, going to be that bone's going to heal. And I think I was actually on crutches for longer with the broken ankle than I was with the hip surgery. So that was pretty devastating. Uh, in fact, very devastating. <laughs> uh, something I had worked so hard for
2: all of a sudden. Was taken away from me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. So, how did you come back from that? Like, what? What? You just reset the clock? I, then.
3: Kind of. I at the time, I, at first, I was just like, okay, you know, it's just it's what happened. You know, I'm 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 blessed and I'm lucky that this is all that happened. Um, I, you know, and even now to this day, there's a lot of people that have had a way worse than I had, and so I just really focused on that. But it was a couple weeks. Uh, let's see. That was July, so it was right around, right before Ironman Coeur d'Alene actually um, was going on. I chatted with my my husband. Said, you know, what does your physiotherapist think about you doing a Ironman in November? I chatted with him, and he said, "Well, you know, if we can get you running by September." I, my physical, I worked for my physical therapist for a long time, so he's a really close friend. He knows me very well. He knows my crazy. And he says, I mean, if anybody can do it, Kayla, you can. So as long as you can be running by September, I mean, why not? So my husband signed me up for Ironman Arizona. He said, this is something that you need to do. And I said, okay. <laughs> and from that moment on, it was, that was my number one focus. Everything was about getting myself to that start line. And I was going to do whatever it took to get there. And I started, I think I was cleared to run the second week of September. And I relied a lot on a lot of the fitness that I had previously. And I started rebuilding again. And really working on being able to get back to running and running normal. Cause that was one of my bigger fears was being able to run. Um, and I just said, I, by October, I said, if I can't, if I can't run, you know, a certain amount of difficult, the distance, but if I can't run by mid August, October, you know, we just won't do it. Um, but everything kept going as planned. And I finally got to a point where I said, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to get myself to that start line. And if I end up, walk running the marathon. That's what I do, but I'm going to get there and I am going to be an Ironman in 2016. And there wasn't anything that was going to stop me from that. Wow.
2: And you crushed it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just walk around. You crushed it. Yes. There, that day holds a very, very special place in my heart. I, and that, and that is honestly where the passion, faith and strength was born, was on that run of Ironman Arizona, because that and mine just kind of makes me emotional. I've been thinking about it that day. There was everything went right. I have never had so much fun on a race course. I mean, I literally didn't was doing an Ironman and I was having a, a time of my life. And I just remember being on that run and just, that there was just so, so much strength and just all just, oh man, so much strength just raiding out of me. And I just remember thinking, I went into it thinking I was going to do in about 1130. And um, I was all about, I got off the bike and had a really strong bike and was running really strong off the bike. And for a second, I was like, Ooh, you should probably pull back Kayla. You need to you know, you still got 25 miles to go. Fair ways to go. <laughs> and, then I, and then I said, you know what? No, don't pull back. You have worked so hard to get here. And just go for it. See what happens. Hold it. Just start running. Run fast and run as fast as you can for as long as you can. And just hang in there. Wow. Um, and wow. that was just a big, another big game changer for me. I was just making that decision at that time frame. I remember, I think I was at like mile 11 and, um, my, I ran past my husband and I was looking at my watch and kind of trying to do some calculations in my head. And I was like, wow, I'm running really fast. Um, but didn't really think too much about it. And at about mile 16, I ran past him again. And I was like, I, am I doing the math right here? I, am i gonna go 11 i i don't do math well anyways and i'm tired am i really gonna do this you have no oxygen yeah and he basically told me that if i kept up exactly the pace i was keeping up i was gonna do a 10 15 and whoa, hell yeah i'm gonna do a ten fifteen. <laughs> and i ran past my mom like like uh, two minutes later, and I, I, she she didn't really. She was surprised to see me. I just remember screaming at her, "Mom, I'm gonna go sub 11." Mom, I'm gonna go sub 11. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" And I, and I said, "I'll see you later." <laughs> <laughs> and I finally, it was just there was nothing that that was me. Just that realization that I could do it, and that there wasn't. Once again, it was this this internal piece that just kind of clicked that day, and since then has just kept clicking. And I remember crossing the finish line and I always, you know, you always see those people that get really emotional. And I always thought that's how I was going to be because it was such a process to get there. But there, the, there was no, like that emotion wasn't there. It was just this unbelievable amount of strength that, and again, it's a strength, not necessarily a physical strength, but just the strength of, Holy crap. I just did something so amazing. And my family kept being like, Kayla, I'm pretty sure you just won your age group. I just think you just won your age group. And I was like, but did you see my time? And I didn't <laughs> even know. I was just so overwhelmed with all the strength and this passion and this just amazing inner
2: faith.
1: That, wow. The so, accomplishment. Yeah,
2: it was just, it was pretty amazing. Wow. To me, it sounds like uh, when you're completing a jigsaw puzzle and there's that one last piece. And it has a specific outline and then you put that piece. It just seems like you found your exact place yeah, in the world. I did. Exactly. That's just what listening to this, your story sounds like. Yeah. It gets me
3: all excited. I even thinking about it. It's just a good thing because I have a really long run I have to go do after this. So I need some excitement.
1: <laughs> I mean, for those guys of you who are listening at home or listening uh, uh, on the tube, on the subway, I mean... After listening to this story, even so far, because this story hasn't finished yet, and you think you cannot do it because you're lazy, you don't like waking up at five in the morning, you have too much Netflix catching up to do. I mean, there's no excuse, honestly, even to start on the finish line after hearing such a story as what we have been listening today. Where I think we're all also talking uh, on behalf of Robin and Neil that we're all very, very, very impressed not with the with, with, with this it's an epic story definitely it is well, sure. definitely e-
2: epic <laughs> yeah
1: so how did coaching come about
2: how did coaching come up
3: um, yep. that is something I've always wanted to do um, that's I uh, both my parents owned their own business um, my dad owned a uh, construction company and my mom had a it was called Boyd's nursing service and nursing service company and so I've always wanted to own my own company um, and That's always been my kind of my dream. And I remember, I think it was like high school or college. And one of those years, my mom and I were driving home from somewhere and we had this idea of wanting to start like this physical, not even, I don't even know, quite remember, but like physical therapy type or physical fitness health center type thing, our own little business. And so it's always been a dream of mine. And I've have ever since like you said, Robin, finding this, this little niche and this little p- puzzle piece of my spot in the world. And I wanted to share that with somebody and I wanted to share that with others. And I want, there's been so much value added to my life from finding passion, faith, and strength in myself. And I want, I just want to share that with others and help others find that. Um, so yeah, it may you know, it's a little bit selfish of me, but I want, more than anything to share that with other people and help other people find that. Cause that helps, I mean, makes me feel good. So again, it's, it's very selfish, um, but it's just something that I have always wanted to do. And so it, we were at a, my husband and I are at a point in our life where I just finally said, you know what, we're, we're a little bit more financially stable. I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to go for it. And it has been so rewarding and so much fun and I just absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, it's so much fun to see these athletes grow, you know, watching them grow throughout their journey and helping them go through their ups and downs and being able to use my own experiences of ups and downs and to help um, them embrace their own inner passion, strength and faith in themselves and to help them grow and expand their knowledge about triathlon and maybe find some little piece inside of themselves that allows them to find their, their self in the world. Um, and so that's, it's just kind of, it was the right time and something I've always wanted to do. And it's been so rewarding and so amazing.
4: I love the name that you've given, right? you? Yeah,
3: that came from, oh, that's been my blog for a while. And it was just this idea of, I was, it started, I was on a run in the middle of winter, in the, like I think it was like negative two degrees out, and I just remember seeing my footsteps in the snow, and thinking, "Wow, my my feet have taken me over some amazing journeys." I mean, even from a kid to you know being in Baja, and then you know backpacking the Tetons and the what you know just backpacking all over, and all the miles that they've taken me, and the journey that has taken me on, and to me, that's
2: something I wanted to share with everybody. Love it. It kind of sums up your your life journey there. Yeah, a little bit.
0: So, are you going to Kona again this year?
2: I am.
3: Yeah. So I so I qualified. Positive. It's going. I qualified in 2016, obviously and, uh, raced last year at Kona and it went terrible. It was awful. (laughs) It was so bad. It went so terribly. I got really sick right before it. And that was probably the hardest day I have ever had in my life. Um, I was miserable. I was running like 11 minute miles and I've never wanted to walk so badly in my entire life. And it once again, was one of those points where I was just I was feeling so out of control, and I was so upset, and I was disappointed. I just—I remember my my husband found his way out to the energy lab. So people, a lot of people who um, follow me know that my husband's probably the world's best Sherpa. Um, in fact, most people like love his Instagram stories more than mine, um, and I get really excited when it's race day because he's going to be sharing. But he, so he has this amazing ability to find himself in these places that I need him the most. And he borrowed my friend's bike and biked himself out to the energy lab. And I mean, I just remember all of a sudden I was like about to turn onto the energy lab and there was my husband. What are you doing out here? There's nobody out here. But it was at a time when I definitely needed it because I just was feeling as though I was disappointing everybody. I mean, I have all these people that believed in me and thought I was going to do so great. And I was just not doing great. So he was able to kind of, you know, slap some sense into me that this is not what people are thinking. And you have eight miles to go, pick it up, you know, run faster, basically strap on a parakela and get over yourself. And so I was uh, like, I was able to, and crossing the finish line at Kona was like, said, one of the hardest and most rewarding and best things. I actually thought I was never going to do an Ironman again wow. at that point. You forget um, all that. <laughs> and then of course, in standard Ironman fashion, a month later, i
1: Arm and loose.
3: but I wanted, I wanted retribution. I wanted, um, I said, that is no way for me to go out. Um, I'm better than that. I'm stronger than that signed up for Ironman Texas and raced Ironman Texas this past April and qualified again for Kona and working really hard because I am going to have a better day than I did last year.
2: <laughs> so I have to ask you, have you ever mailed a photo of your Kona finish line picture to the first doctor who told you you wouldn't run again? So, so funny. <laughs> I,
3: I literally
2: have always wanted
3: to do that. <laughs> Who <laughs> wanted to like show up at his office and be like, what now? <laughs> Guess what?
2: Because you think like some people would have just walked away with that and been like, okay, yeah, that's a bummer. My, And you didn't. And uh, I just think that that's such a great part of your story thanks yeah
1: i definitely there was a moment where i thought you know
3: it's easy to let yourself get wrapped into that and think oh you know this guy's professional he's telling me i can't do this thing maybe i can't um but then it was just no there's no way there's plenty of other people that have gone through way worse than just a labrum tear and they're out doing these things so why can't i and so i just went out and found somebody that was going to let me do it
4: (laughs) yeah i think that's talked to quite a few athletes you know going through injuries and diseases and i think that's one thing that stands out they don't stop looking for the person that can help them or that supports them because they know that it can be done they just need to find the right people
3: yep you just have to find the right people and you have to really believe and really want it you know a lot of people always yeah. say oh i wish i could do what you do and and i always say well you can Anybody can do it. You just have to want to. And if you don't want to, you won't find the time. But if you want to, you will find the time and you will do what it takes to get it done.
2: After after Kona retribution moment, what what comes next for you?
3: After Kona, you know, I don't know.
2: Right now, I'm kind of
3: just focused on getting myself there and having to be the best race I can have it be. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not one of those who has like all my races or my life always planned out for the next year ahead of time. I'm kind of a live in the moment and see what happens and see what, where I am at the moment. You know, we've spent, my husband and I spent so much time like trying to plan so many different things and it always seems to change. And so we've kind of become more live in the moment and see what happens. So, uh, after Kona, it'll definitely be. A little bit of downtime, really focusing on growing my business some more um, because it's while I've seen some amazing growth, Uh, I don't have as much time at the moment to put as much growth as I would like to into it. Um, So that will be some time and then just kind of see where everything takes me for next year. One of the kind of beauties that I've really learned to enjoy where I used to feel like I needed to control it so much. Now, just really seeing where it takes me and where it brings and where life goes is actually
2: kind of exciting kind of like your where your feet take you.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Wow. It's all perfectly connected. Yeah. So what's the message
4: you would want people listening to take away from your story?
3: To never stop believing in yourself. Um, life, there are so many ups and downs and there's so many times where it beats us and we think, Oh, it's not in the things I want to do are not going to happen. Um, But there is so much value in believing in you and believing in that strength that's inside you. And again, having faith in yourself, that if you really just have serious faith in yourself and believe in yourself, that you really can do amazing things. Will it happen overnight? Not necessarily, but it will happen. You just have to never give up on yourself.
2: Great. Perfect takeaway. (laughs) All
4: right. All right. As we wrap things up, are there any people or brands you'd like to give a shout out to?
3: Um yeah, I'm very blessed to have some amazing brands um behind supporting not only myself but where if you take you. Um we've got Infinite, which is our nutrition um and has made a huge difference for me, Irwin Cycling, Broca, and Strive. <laughs> and a oh, Rudy project has been awesome as well um and then lastly I really have to let everybody you know make sure everyone knows that they're the man behind the scenes my my husband is between without him there's no way any of this would be possible um I, well maybe it probably would have I probably still would have done it but there's there's without him it just would not be he's it makes everything so much easier he is my support team he's my number one fan he's the one who he has an amazing way of bringing me out of the dumps when I
2: need it and it sounds like we should all be on Instagram as well right
3: <laughs> yes yes he is a lot of fun too I always <laughs> He's a lot of times he'll get this at Court uh seventy point three. Somebody actually was like, "Weren't you here last year?" <laughs> he's the one. He's the one running around with no shirt on and tattoos everywhere. You wouldn't
2: know it, but he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> you know, I've got a great business idea. Maybe he should do like a <laughs> Sherpa coaching business because there's a lot yes. of Sherpas out there could use some some top-notch training yeah we actually did a video and it is on the blog and it got a lot a lot of people really liked it he's he's pretty
3: great i'm pretty lucky i'm a lucky girl
4: maybe we should get him on the podcast when you come on next
3: you should. He's, he also does have a very good story he's like you know he's a type 1 diabetic who believes very much in kind of the same thing um he does he did not let his diabetes stand in the way of himself, um, you know, instead of letting this chronic, I guess, disease, which is not the best word, but um, overtake him. He's the healthiest he's ever been. His HBO and C's are amazingly low. He's takes 75% less insulin than most diabetics. He's just, he's pretty amazing. So um, I'm very lucky to have a really solid support team um, not only from him, but my family, who's, uh, I mean, they built me, I am who I am because of them. And so um, I'm very blessed to have an amazing, amazing support system.
2: Well, my daughter's a type one diabetic. So I think people out there might not understand, like, how hard that is to manage, like, over the course of a 12, you know, 10 or 12 hour day yes you know him bicycling across the lava fields and stuff it's a big strain on your body and you have a lot of it is so my hat is off to him that's really impressive
3: yes he brilliantly did not bring any sugar with him when he did that
2: (laughs) oh my gosh you would think you would think uh, a
3: 17 year diabetic
2: would know to bring sugar with him well he could mug an athlete and take their uh, drink bottle yeah he did
4: (laughs) all right uh, where can everyone find you online
3: uh, uh, where you feet, take you.com is my website. Um, that's where the blog blog is and where I share a bunch of tips as well as my Instagram is my, um, my biggest, that's where most of my, everything is. You can follow the, the story, the journey, um, my husband's amazingness, uh, <laughs> uh, and that is, uh, where you feet, take you.
4: Perfect. Great. And, uh, last question.
0: Why do you try?
3: I try because, I find that I, I try to find me <laughs> and because I want to continue to help inspire other people to find themselves as well. And mostly, honestly, I try because I love it. I, I seriously,
2: hundred percent love it. Well, that's as good a reason as any we've heard for sure.
3: It's, you know, it, it it's the kind of, the, there's a lot of reasons why I do it but it really comes down to that. I have found a passion for it. You know, but like you said, Robin, it's one of those, I found that puzzle piece in my, in the world and that puzzle piece that is what keeps me going and keeps me coming back time and time again. Um, Cause it's, it's, I found that little piece of me that'll, you know, allows me to really tap into that, that passion, faith and strength inside myself. And I, I honestly just love it.
2: Oh, perfect.
4: All right. Thanks, Kayla. This was this was great. Thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Definitely a pleasure, Kayla.
2: Yeah, it's been awesome to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show and love the hot podcast, we'd love for you to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your review helps us out a lot and would be very much appreciated. Thank you all again for being a part of this community and be sure to join us again next week for another episode where we will bring you another amazing guest and story. Until then, my friends, keep trying.